episode pilot episode of working title flyover territory um i'm your co-host woody uh joining me is fellow stillwater baseball <laughs> alumni uh dave both of us being cut at the same time out are you sophomore year uh getting up day one day, <laughs> I, I somehow managed to make it to like day let's call it eight last cut day and then was given the old uh we only got nineteen, or only got eighteen jerseys, and you're the nineteenth guy. But uh, we'll give you a call. Yeah, <laughs> if, if something comes up, give you a call. But uh, yeah, this is gonna be a Twins off-season podcast. We might might go in a couple different directions once uh, end of spring training rolls around. But um, we're we're at a tipping point with Minnesota baseball, I believe. Minnesota sports, maybe in general. Um, recording this on December first, so. Right after 2018, yeah, 2018 to be determined. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, yeah, Dave, welcome. Well, thanks for hosting, thanks for setting it up. This is a long time coming as well. We've been talking about this for two, three, three years at least, at least last year, true. Yeah, so this is this is um, the actualization of a bit of a uh. A vision we've had for quite some time, and what better time than off season December 2018 to start talking about Minnesota Twins baseball and the idea of is it worth it? <laughs> Maybe that that can just be like a thesis statement for this entire team. Uh, what are you getting into? Uh, what is going to happen here? So, like you had laid it out, let's go over a little bit of 2018 recap for. The Minnesota Twins, who finished with a record of 78 wins, and which would lead us to 84 losses, 84 gets us losses to 162 in a season that literally was the Joe Mauer farewell tour. If you're going to put a recap on it in broad strokes, uh, Mauer farewell tour. Yeah, your two biggest guys. Absolutely. What's our propensity for swearing on this? Uh, it's open to yeah. We're, open we're good to, to go. Shit the sheets. In terms of Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton. Oh, man. Uh, that would be my lead for this. Yeah. There's your big headline. Yeah. Bye-bye, Mauer, Sano, Buxton, failure. <laughs> That's fair. I think uh, going into the season, spring training, which you can literally just write whatever narrative you want about. Mm-hmm. You could go 0-39 and be like, you know what? But see, we're working on things and we're, you know, development. And that's we're not trying to win ball games. Or you could go like 38-2 and and be like, this is proof that we're going to have a great season. <laughs> and uh, so, spring, but in general, spring training, we felt good coming yeah. off, you know, a wild card loss. That was a surprise the year before. We thought that, we, yeah, Sano, Buxton, uh, guys like Kepler, Rosario, Polanco, we're going to have these breakout years. Yep. And then right off the bat, Polanco just see ya for 80 games. That was an early indication. We had also been active in the offseason. We had made maneuvers that we felt 
bolstered this team. We brought in a bat that could deliver 20-plus home runs. We, we signed relief pitchers. <laughs> we signed relief it was pitchers. <laughs> Addison Reed was on my fantasy baseball team <laughs> right away. He was shortly cut thereafter. But yeah, you know. that's, that's putting it ahead of where we want to get. But there was I, I was very positive about the 2018 Minnesota Twins. I was very excited to be a part of this. I thought this was... And hopefully revealing a little bit about myself, I thought this could be the the farewell tour that Maurer deserved. That we'd have some late season October at bats for Joe Maurer to step up and deliver a single to left field, and we could all stand and politely applaud <laughs> the efforts of the great Joe Maurer. And then him to be three uh, two bottom of nine game one sixty two <laughs> runner on first one out and a nice just like easy ground ball to the second base and a nice little. Uh, <laughs> Four six three double play and just just go out on a perfect note with Joe Maurer. I hope that reveals right there where we can hopefully provide some back and forth like this. But see, the problem is we already wrapped up the playoff bid in one sixty one, so like one sixty two was really just a a nice like true you know send off. But um, yeah, Joe Maurer was in his eighth year of the massive eight year. Was it a hundred eighty four million dollar deal he signed, mm. which everybody was like. Eh, we kind of had to do it at the time, and now like seeing that it's over, it's kind of like, eh, did nothing really happen? Like I'm not, I'm yeah. not mad about yeah. it. It's if we can spend some time right away on Joe Maurer, and this I think is just an important kind of putting the finishing touches on 2018. Is like Joe Maurer as a number two overall pick, one. First number overall, one, he, was, yeah, he yeah. was number one, and then Mark Breyer was taken second, and there was consternation about yes. who you draft Mark Breyer, yeah. and you I take forget that who power else arm. is in that, in that yeah. draft class. But Joe Maurer, as a number one overall draft pick, there is, what, one number one overall draft pick who was better than Joe Maurer, and his name is Ken Griffey Jr. Is he really? He's number one overall. I suppose. And who else amongst that? In, in Maurer's 15 years... The guy is rock solid. He does what he does. He is, sure, worth the money on a basis of comparison yeah, yeah, to yeah. other first baseman across the Major League Baseball at any point in time during his tenure as a first baseman. Say what you will. But he is a Minnesota Twins Hall of Famer. He is not a Hall of Famer, but he is worthy of the acclaim and due deference. He got paid. Let's move on is where I put it at. <laughs> That's fair. Let's, let's do that yeah. again. Yeah. Let's, do, let's drink our glass of milk. Let's say thank you, Joe Maurer, for 15 years. Thank you for being one of us. And let's let's not attack the poor guy as he hopefully rides off into the sunset in his beautiful <laughs> cabins across Minnesota with his beautiful family. Like, thank you, Joe, for your service. All right, let's go forward. Is this confirmed he has multiple cabins across Minnesota? I think he has the one that's like his northern retreat okay. in central yeah. Minnesota somewhere. But doesn't happen to be on like Lake Minnewaska by any chance, does it? <laughs> we can find that. That'd be great. Seventh, seventh biggest lake in the state of Minnesota. Um, but yeah, the, I'm looking through number one of our picks because you brought up an interesting point. And uh, I would argue Griffey Jr. is better. I'd argue Alex Rodriguez, both mm, on okay. steroids and off steroids, is better. Yes. Um, yes. Other than that, we have a lot of debate. And that, that's, so that's fair. We, we've, we've talked about this too briefly, uh, the Major League Baseball, the draft itself. I pulled up, in previous to this, I, I pulled up Ivan Rodriguez. Pudge was drafted, I believe he was in late, late rounds. Yeah. Yep. It's, 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 you know, baseball players are, baseball's a weird game when it comes to the draft. And the draft is. But number yeah. one picks it rarely come, are what we we hope they will be. Maurer was what you hoped for and more. Yeah. Now, was he enough to carry the Twins to a 
another title? The body of work suggests no. We had one glorious chance. God bless Jim Tomey, who is on the top ten list of my favorite Twins baseball players. Easily. Season Easily. and a half in the Twins uniform. Enough that, to cement that. That one season, though. Was that was that first year at Target Field? That was the first year at Target Field, and we had it was there. Now, looking back, we had Carl fucking Pavano as our number one starter. So what chance did we truly have? True. Which might not be the only Carl Pavano mention on this on this episode. So um yeah, no, that that twenty ten team. Oh man, that the mustache. Uh I'm firmly believe that if that the, was our chance. The sixth umpire, whose job it is to watch the foul line, <laughs> calls it the correct, which is a fair ball, that we don't lose in the uh, wild card round or yep. the we we just go we go on to or divisional round we go on to uh, lose properly in the ALCS. Yep. But you know that it's it's amazing that we no I take that back. We have seen one. Uh, I would say that we're like really remembering it conscious for ninety one. Obviously happened. We were both alive, but yep. um, we've only seen one Twins run that got to the ALCS, yep. which is O two. Yep. We were uh, one big pylon of Nick. Who got hurt in that pylon? Uh, Denny Hawking. Denny Hawking got hurt. Which is that was a, that was a tough one because at the time favorite player was Luis Rivas <laughs> and Denny Hawking took his job, which rightfully so. Looking back, Luis had a bad year, but and then Rivas had to go back, and I'm like, this is it. This is his chance. Yeah, uh, this is the guy I model my game after. <laughs> and if we just go <laughs> see previous reference of St. Paul, yeah. or, and then we go run into the train that was Tim Salmon and the uh, Troy Percival led Anaheim Angels. Not and, to mention uh, the three home runs for. Who was that? Angels outfielder? Yep. Is it uh, Garrett Anderson? I believe that that we can we can research that, we can pull <laughs> yeah. that up, but we were we were rally monkeyed, but that was that was <laughs> Rally Monkey, man, that was the worst. That was that was that was a stretch. It was so that, that late two thousands period man. that that two thousand ten run. Yeah. Two years ago, the blooper of a wild card run, which I don't think either of us really Expected or thought would True. amount to much, and then last year bringing us to last year, there was positivity and allowing our. I allowed myself to project uh, a better than twenty seventeen finish, which meant playoffs potentially yeah. to like right breaks making something. You look back at the beginning there, and you're sitting there saying, "I don't think Cleveland got better." Mm-hmm. Chicago, Kansas City, and. Detroit all got worse. So you're sitting there thinking, this is it. Like, if we were to ever have a window where, not for a World Series window necessarily, but a window to, like, steal a division in a time when this can really kind of propel you almost in, like, a 2000, maybe six-ish way. Yep. Where it's like, don't really have a reason to do this. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do, and we're going to make a run for, like, that 2006 through probably 2010. Mm -hmm. That kind of four or five year stretch there where it's like, Okay, this could maybe be like a half decade of dominance here with our core guys. The path to the playoffs for the AL Central runs yes. through the Minnesota Twins. Because yeah, because it looks like the Indians now. Now we're taking it you know, eight nine months later. The Indians are kind of I don't know if they're falling apart, but they've got to figure some things out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it well, could have been great. And instead, we're back at like square one where we don't know who our players are. And this is this is uh, so kind of capping off that we had a we had a window. The window closed quite quickly. 2018 became a bit of a shambles with, again, Sano and Buxton 
which I think we can talk about at ad nauseum. Not being, that might be its own episode in general. It's not just, being what we oh, needed man. them to be, and without those two, everything else fell apart. Yeah. And there were a lot of other pieces that didn't fall the twins' way. See Polanco, see Morrison, see starting rotation. All of that didn't go. But the, the true pillars of a 2018, 78, 84, 13 games back from Cleveland is Buxton and Snow yeah. not producing. Oh, totally. It's which it, We had Buxton and Snow put up maybe their worst two seasons of their career in 2018. How many Could games be. did Buxton even play? Exactly. It's, it is, yeah. is something that is a huge question mark for 2019 as well. So if we're, if we're going to say 2018 was this this window of opportunity, we saw that it closed quickly. All of a sudden, we get to 2019, December, looking towards the year of 2019. There seems we're in a similar position. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a window. You've got the Chicago White Sox are young, talented, but young and talented. They, they, and, and their best pitcher just tore his L, or ACL, or not ACL. They, they are PCL. not there yet. This yeah. is a team that lost 100 games last year. Yes, Kansas City lost 104 games last year. So what? 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 And the Detroit Tigers are managed by Ron fucking Gardenhire. So there's three teams that are non-starters yeah. immediately. All three of those teams also. Uh, Detroit lost 98 games. Yeah, so you're sitting at three teams that lost 300 games. games. Yeah, last year. Yeah, which leaves Cleveland, which is not getting better. Correct, because they lost now. Where are they at? They're it's, looking like they're going to lose Miller. They just trade. Well, they just traded for a catcher. No, traded kept traded Jan Jones. Mm-hmm. So traded their starting catcher. Lost their like dynamic. Really couldn't figure it out. Reliever and Andrew Miller, who maybe might be in a Minnesota Twins uniform next year, um, and then also got raided in the front office with Thad Levine the year yep. before. So like, yep. uh, I think some of those things like you want to say don't matter, but when you start looking at overall pictures individually, like if you we're just kind of single them out. Probably don't, but then also when you start collecting maybe five, six, seven of these, they all add up. Yep. And you might be looking at a Cleveland team that, I mean, how many times as Minnesota sports fans in general, we've gone into a season. I think that the best example is the 2005 Minnesota Timberwolves season where we just bring everyone back, think it's going to work out, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the Trail Sprewell says, I can't feed my family, and Sam Cassell's back tightens up. And it's over. And yep. it's just it, it, like it just happens that quickly. Um, and I think that's what could, ha- could happen with Cleveland. Uh, I could see, I could totally say if Cleveland ends up seventy and ninety four this year, or seventy and ninety two, totally believe it. If they end up ninety four and sixty eight, mm-hmm. also totally believe yep. it. That's a wide range, though. Yep. And and this is this is something I think we'll continue to to hone in on is what what is the what is the realistic approach to being a Minnesota Twins fan. <laughs> In, in, in this case, and this is our Minnesota sports fan as well, as we're sitting on a resurgence in Minnesota Timberwolves basketball and probably one of the best teams in the West in the last two weeks. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> we, we, we have tendencies to try to, I feel, temper our expectations right away, but we also get very excited, at least on this side of the table. I yes. get very excited. See 2018. So coming into 2019, I see the Twins being... There's a space, there's an opportunity, there's a chance. Where there's a will, there's a way. There's also, with the 2018 experience, there's like, that is all tempered by the fact if Byron Buxton does not play well, it doesn't matter. Correct, correct. I think that's a good point. And bringing up kind of going to our second point is new manager, Paul Molitor, who, not necessarily bad. Nope. I, I, it's just, I think, a difference in opinion on how you want to 
kind of handle baseball and analytics going forward. Yeah. Molitor <laughs> seems to be this guy who's 3,000 kit club, Hall of Famer. Um, not power, though. So kind of a grinded out guy yeah. where 80s, 90s, etc. And all of a sudden, now you're asked to play this type of baseball that doesn't make sense to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you explain it in like a thesis paper, 100% makes sense, but then there's that disconnect. And so you bring in this guy who's roughly 20 years younger in Rocco Baldelli, who you have some familiarity with, um, but not a ton. And he doesn't have a ton of experience from the manager side, but what are uh, what are your first first initial thoughts, it, reactions to is, Rocco? This is, this is the, I love that transition to 2019 is maybe not Buxton, Byron Buxton being the key. How much of a key is Rocco Baldelli? Yes. 37 years old. The guy comes in, he gets this job. He is, and this is more, I always like to think Thad Levine in company. Like this is the guy, this is the kind of guy that they wanted. Yeah. They were, they inherited Paul Molitor. This was not who they would want in this position. So now, however many years into the Thad Levine regime, they get their guy. Yes. And this is the guy they want. So I'm, I'm, I'm by no means... Am I upset about Mal- or Molitor being let go? Yes. Uh, am I super excited about Rocco Baldelli? I can't say so, but I'm also I think this is a, a step in a direction that the organization has not been Correct. before. Yeah. And Correct. That alone is a like, hey, we've done this this way up to this point. Now yeah. we're doing it this way. Yeah. And that that in turning a new leaf, I am excited to see what happens from that yeah i think there's the the hope and optimism angle for minnesota fans in the sense that you get a guy that is like how the other teams that have been successful have done it Mm -hmm. um so we get we kind of are joining that club typically when that happens with minnesota sports we somehow manage to fuck it up (laughs) we seem to be on the the end of that wave or it doesn't quite pan out and then all of a sudden we're hanging on to something that doesn't exist anymore um but no, I think that this is actually, I think, the opposite of that. Um, it almost feels like this is out in front of it, where there's a chance that, there's a, oh, there's always a chance, but like there's a chance that Rocco Baldelli isn't the manager that gets this team to a World Series, where he's the guy before the guy, but because of the things he did and the way he developed certain players, allowed them to go out and get a guy that, okay, now we have the guys that are at the skill level and the adequate skill level to go out and be a playoff contender we need a manager that understands the playoffs what Rocco Baldelli maybe would lack in is that experience of like being a manager but the best part I think of this whole thing is I and I don't obviously have zero, literally zero data or stats in front of me to back this up but I feel like those players that you know were kind of fan favorites really grinders really um but like were super open to you know making any kind of adjustments to their game when they were players because they had to they weren't superstar talents they weren't five tool guys so I think like Dave Roberts you think of guys like uh, um, Tony La Russa, um, Joe Girardi, uh, guys that like weren't like these mega stars when they played, but they get the perspective of being an everyday ball player that's not necessarily playing all the time. So you get this manager style of, I think it's easy to understand when you play 160 games a year and you're batting and getting 550 at-bats, guaranteed. Yeah. And then there's another perspective where for half of your career, you had to kind of figure out, okay... If I go 0 for 7 in these next two games, when's the next time I'm going to play? And how to kind of get through 162 games? Oh, yep. So I kind of like that perspective. Where that's the team we have. We don't. You look at this roster. We. I don't know if there's any guy. Obviously, you like to think Sano and Buxton are going to get, and like Rosario are going to. 
be some of those guys. But none of those guys right now scream like Hall of Famer, con- nope. consistent All Star. Nope. Nope. It's kind of one of those things of, hey, listen, we we're gonna give you the first shot, but at some point, if there's a guy that earned it, especially in the analytic driven like Thad yeah. Levine era, we might see some times where Buxton sits and Buxton turns into a not a platoon guy, but maybe a hundred and thirty game player. And that might be the best thing. Like that might be one of those deals where it's like, hey, maybe we're thinking about this wrong. Maybe Buxton never was a hundred sixty guy. How much how much how much space does Rocco Baldelli have to make those kind of decisions too? Is it's always a fascinating we're on the outside talking about the yep. inside. And that'll that'll be again, kind of what what do you watch in a manager's first year? Yeah. How many years has Dave Roberts been at I think he's three or four, but he's made like the World Series, I think, what, two of the last three? I think it's his third year. Okay. He's made the World Series two of those three years and then the NLCS the other year. Okay. That sounds right. And this is just, it'll be from a perspective of the season, if we're saying, hey, the Central is kind of up for two teams to fight over. Yes. We're in that fight. Yeah. What what do you want to say? 80 to 20%? You know, what what are the odds right there? Yeah. But we're in that fight. And maybe there's things that Rocco Baldelli does in terms of how he approaches this roster yes. that can get us in a better position. Yeah, and totally. That, that's 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 to be determined. Uh, so if we're saying like a hot cold on Rocco Baldelli, it's not necessarily hot. We're I'm in a lukewarm wait and see. Can't say I'm disappointed. Can't say I'm yeah. overly. I'm not putting money down to purchase season tickets because of Rocco Baldelli being selected as the new That's fair. coach of the Minnesota Twins. What what would have taken you? Uh, what would have taken to have you put down money to buy season tickets for oh, 2019? It, 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 retrospectively, it's in 2018. We were in the discussions yes. for uh, didn't have the best season with Chicago Cubs, but we were in that discussion to get top arms. Yes, and that particular individual. Is blanking on his name right you, now. You Darvish? You Darvish. We yes. were in the Darvish conversation. Yes. I, if the Twins go out and do that in 2018 and say, like, hey, we are in. This is our chance. This is the window. We will seize this opportunity. I, I as my point in life right now, would be able to be like, I can justify heading to Target Field 20 to 30 times yeah. a year. Maybe no, I, I'm, not, I, yeah. I'm not a full-time season ticket hey. package looking at that but that would be that's that's where I'm still at like I I can't imagine a scenario with 2019 where we're thinking that we are the front runners for the AL Central nonetheless for any deep or playoff time and that that I feel is when you drop big money for big free agents yes pitching and that's my one of the things that I want to kind of hammer home with thesis wise for how do you approach Baseball in 2018 is you need the arms and the Twins out of 2018 into 2019. What arms do we have? We, we keep saying, like, the key to this team is Byron Buxton, but also on the flip side, like, we need somebody to carry us to that point. You need someone to throw, throw the ball over the plate, yeah. unfortunately, as well. There's two, there's, that's always the tricky thing. You got, every sport has it, right? You got, you got offense and defense and special teams in football. You've got, uh, you know, offense, defense, attack. In this it's it's kind of split up a little bit different. If you got your position guys, you got your hitters in the same kind of category, and that's great. But what we've learned is, especially with the World Series this year and how it went, not to say that we're going to be the Dodgers or the Red Sox by next fall, no. but is you need some arms that aren't just guys that can throw the ball that are like true talent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of brings us up to the third part is of see, saying that Joe, speaking of that Joe Mauer's left, <laughs> of how do we spend his money? In my in my favorite part, I've I've just got MLB's top free agents pulled up right here. Yeah. We're looking at starting pitching, and starting pitching necessarily doesn't have to be the answer. Sure, but in this list, it's a list that is pretty shallow. Yes, Patrick Corbin is the number one target. Dallas Eichel's out there. These are both yeah. twenty nine year old, a thirty one year old, and then the names of J A Happ, uh, Lance Lynn, guys like Sabathia, and Val Sanchez are on this list. And you're just kind of like, none of these names excite. No, there's just there's there's limited options out there, and this might be the fact that a lot of major league baseball front offices and people that are paid to do this kind of stuff recognize that. And Craig Krimble is down further in that relief arm area. Yep. Oravanio is out there. Familia is there. Yep. Soria, Robertson, and those those last two names are maybe not in the same category as the first couple names. Sure. But those are names that are out there. And, and are those are those people that you pursue, or do you try to do this in house and say, you know, that next wave of arms is gotta show up this year? And so this is this is again 2019. Let's roll off and let's just say Twins starting rotation at present includes the likes of... Yeah, we got great names. Like, well, <laughs> the guy that I think we're all generally comfortable with, Jose yep. Barrios. Yeah. I think he's pencil, penciled in, not in pen yet, as your ace this year. Yep. Um, and I say that because if you can go out and get a guy that has better stuff than him that has consistency over the last maybe six, seven years, then, yeah, he bumps your two, and you feel really good all you of a sudden. You feel very great But everyone's that. kind of like, okay, Barrios is your one. We're good. Um, you have overachieving Kyle Gibson, who is penciled in as your two, mm-hmm. which this is where that this is where it gets scary. Yep. Of Gibson as my four, I weirdly now, two years ago, I've been like, get him out of here. I don't want him as my seventh. Yep. But, like, now, him at, like, the bottom of the rotation guy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then maybe, like, if he's a guy I think is perfect to, if you're in the playoffs and you need to put a starter in in the fifth inning, I would love that. So I, I kind of don't mind Gibson on this roster. Not as my second best pitcher, though. Um, and then we got great names like Jake Odorizzi, uh, young guy Steven Gonzalez. And then we kind of, for that fifth spot, um, I was at three guys, I think. Fernando Romero, who mm-hmm. I think will get it. Um, and then Cole Stewart, who... You took him fourth overall. He probably should have went and played quarterback at Texas A&M. <laughs> um, that apparently is just like a grassroots to a much easier career in the NFL. Um, and then a guy we signed last year in a weird deal that they kind of just did with Garrett Richards with the Padres, uh, Michael Pineda, who mm-hmm. off Tommy yes. John. Yep. But before Tommy John was kind of an intriguing guy. And so this is we have him locked in for eight mil this year. He's one of the four players under who has signed a, a contract with the Twins as of right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, – It'll be interesting. I don't know if, and this is what I worry about the Twins as an organization as a whole. This is a classic. We have him. We penciled him in. This was the plan. We'll He's a starter. With that. Yep. And if he has an awful spring, I think the new regime. I hope the new regime. I think this is where you're going to find out what kind of regime we have. Yep. Is they're just going to cut bait and they yep. say. We're going to try to trade him. If not, he's on waivers or he goes to AAA and we just wait and get until injuries happen. And we saw a little bit of that last year. And yeah. The other, for the Twins, so that's 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 the arms you have in place to lead this this pitching staff. I would say if you go those any five combination of that, you're no, at no more than 78 wins again. Which, I, yep. Yeah. And, and, and there's... It doesn't matter if you have the Red Sox. Well, 
<laughs> it matters if you had the Red Sox lineup. But in theory, if you had even a pretty plus lineup, I still think that this starting pitching staff only gets you to 78 wins. In the back end of that, on, on the bullpen side of it, I think that might be one of the Twins. I, I'm not as concerned. I feel that this is an inst- this is an organization that can find arms that can get the job done in the bullpen. Yeah. Like that, that is something I guess I am no longer as petrified about or as as apprehensive about in in the past. It's like I feel organizations with a with a sound operation can find arms that work in the bullpen. They yes. can get the job done. And and I feel this is an, this is an organization that has minds that are thinking about these kind of things. Yeah. So I'm I'm not as apprehensive about that, but I I do like that point about what kind of inst- what kind of organization are we going to be when it comes to this starting rotation? If you're like Michael Pineda, it's just this is not going to work for us. Yep. Cut bait and run yeah. and move on. We thought your injury is going to go a certain way, and we needed you at a certain readiness, and it's just not there. I think this is where you really kind of test to see. This is where I think like guys like Terry Ryan. There's a reason that Terry Ryan doesn't have a World Series championship as the general manager. It's because the actual decisions that matter, he kind of lets them figure themselves out instead of getting ahead of it and saying, nope, this is where we're going. Yep. Whether that's keeping Pineda, not keeping Pineda. Whether that's uh, choosing David Ortiz over Joe Mays. Yep. Whether you know it, there's uh, whether that's to extend or, uh, Johan Santana or trade him. That one he actually made correct, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those type deals of those those key moments that actually matter. There's plenty of decisions that really probably don't matter, um, whether or not we're going to play Jake Cave in right field or left field type <laughs> stuff. Um, but the decisions that matter, and this is going to be weirdly one of them, and this is what happens when you're kind of a smaller club, is you have Michael Pineda. Is he your fifth starter, or is he a guy that you say, let's put him in AAA and, and change the narrative and say, he's going to work on things. This guy hasn't pitched in over a year. He needs to get some game extended spring training, whatever, but realistically knowing that, you know what, we need to go with a different guy. Um, free agents, I don't think there's great guys, as you mentioned. Uh, they f- all feel like guys that have been on the Twins roster already before at one point, which is even scarier. Well, because Bartolo Colon is still on that list <laughs> hey, there at you go. 46. Yeah. God, it, which, eh, I'd bring him back. I, I, you know, give him Just a nice for t-shirts yeah. alone. Yeah, my, and the marketing aspect would be give him a minor league deal to <laughs> a tryout deal. You know, just give him a nice like maybe 500k signing bonus. <laughs> take him out to a nice steak dinner at Manny's beforehand. Like I think that's a win-win there. But uh, one guy I think that, and this would be the true testament of what what kind of direction what are we doing in 2019? Um, I'm a big rumor guy. I'm a big kind of hypothetical world situation that we're living in. Um, I look at our shortstop depth. We decide sign yep. Adrian is a back on a yep. one year deal. Yep. No such thing as a bad one year deal, especially if it's one one point three billion. Don't have a problem there. You have a high draft pick Nick Gordon from a few yep. years back, who's I don't know if he's ready for major league play, but he has to be. So now you kinda gotta throw him up there because you have Royce Lewis in the system who's gonna be ready by next year. So you got three guys at short, plus Polanco, who is our leading batter once he came back last year at two eighty eight. Um, so you have four guys. I start to question whether or not you look at Nick Gordon. Honestly, even maybe a Royce Lewis, package him with some other guys, one of these bottom-tier starters, maybe Romero, um, maybe some other players, and a name like Madison Bumgarner, and say, you know what? We think we can still control this guy after arbitration's up. He's a guy that's been there before. He's won multiple World Series, three of them. Holy shit. Um, Yep. World Series MVP. uh, You... I, I think that's a great direction. 
And this is this is sacrificing again with with the Royce Lewis or excuse me Nick Gordon yeah. update at AAA he hit two twelve <laughs> exactly in yeah. ninety nine games ah. and he's and so what what do you do with that because that what I what I'm excited about this Twins team is not excited but just I feel we can we can leverage those we have a stockpile of some pretty decent players yeah at AAA AA ball. And there, there's we have some layers, there's some depth, yes. and we added to that last year at the mid mid part of the season. We this this we have we have depth, we have options. Let's see what we can do with that. Yes. Now that that is something that we've never seen happen in our lifetime. No, we've never we've traded never our guys anything like that. for the big. Like yep. we've done plenty of minor small pieces and or have moved the big guy mm-hmm. we've never acquired him nope um nope. to be fair if they look at the jimmy butler thing they might say you know what eh, this is why you don't do it <laughs> but like at the same time we made the playoffs so you know, it, it's we just have never done that before yeah. yeah so that that would i i i like that that idea of what are we gonna do with nick or what are we gonna yes. do with byron buxton like are these are these guys that this that this organization is willing to move? And we're gonna see here midseason. I think we'll, we'll. I guess I'd like to throw that to you. What what do you see midseason? If the Twins are at, what are we doing? If we're if we're in the mix, right? Doesn't necessarily mean we're winning the division, but if we're within five six games, and we've had some players show flashes. I think there's also a real reality where. You're within five or six games, but your leading batter is batting like two seventy two, and it's Eddie Rosario, and you're yep. like, "Listen, like this, this is a Come little on, bit different." <laughs> but I mean, <clears throat> we have a weird spot where we have—I don't think we have a top tier farm system by any means. We got about four ish guys down there that, within the next season and a half, could be replacing some of these guys that were were them three years ago. Whether that's Rosario, whether that's Polanco. Um, I don't think Sano is necessary or Buxton in there. Whether that's Kepler, who only batted like 230 last yeah. year. Yeah. I think Kepler's going to turn around, and I think Kepler's only like a 265-ish hitter, which you need a couple of those guys in small clubs because you can't pay to have a lineup bat 312. Um, but you also can't probably pay Kepler, Rosario, and Buxton in the next three years what they're going to be probably worth. So you got to start looking at it in terms of futuristic of, yes, Rosario bats 275 and is a 20-home run guy. Um, but we got others, and we got it. We got to kind of, and this is where the difference between why the 2001 Oakland A's happened or the 2018 Oakland A's happened, why the 2016 Houston Astros happened, why the 2014 and 15 Kansas City Royals happened, um, and plenty of other examples I'm just leaving out. But they make those tough calls where, hey, why are we trading away these guys, Johnny Damon? Why are we trading away, uh, uh, J.D. Martinez, guys like that, where it's like these guys do become grid players, but are you or are you just going to be in a situation like look at the White Sox three years ago? We thought the White Sox were going to be with uh, Abreu at first, Capitch. Mm-hmm. Um, they just drafted who's supposed to be an ace. Forget the other ace pitcher they had. They traded to the Cubs then, um, uh, but they we thought the White Sox were going to, and now they're bottom dwellers yep. because they held on to guys that. That season too long, and now they can't get rid of them. Yeah, it, it seems to be that this organization is not one that that hangs on to. There's no sentimentality about this. This is the business. This is the way it is. They're willing. They're decisive. Yes. So if we're gonna say, so we said 2018 farewell tour. Yep. Bust for Buxton and Snow. 2019 is sure. 
for 2019, yeah. it needs to be the Byron Buxton show. Yes. It, this guy needs to lead your team. Yeah. If, if not just for, this is what we, we want. We've built like a decade almost now. Of yeah. Half a decade at least of anticipation for this to be his team. Yeah. And we were supposed to get Carlos Correa in that draft, <laughs> which is the craziest thing. But that's so a whole other point. That's a whole other thing. You're, if you're sitting mid year and this is not just painted out like this, yeah, like just push the button, yeah, and blow this thing up. I agree. I totally agree. I think so, you you look at it as Buxton is, I would say like maybe this is like the 2013 2014 Golden State Warriors. Obviously, we're not going to go on to win four three World Series in the next five years. Well, we might, but like, I, I highly doubt it. But <laughs> in that year where they're like, it's the the last year of Mark Jackson, where they kind of just like, f it. Like Curry, you're just gonna do Curry things. Clay, you're gonna do Clay things. And I think Sano and Clay Thompson. That's kind of like what you're looking at. Of just let him just mash homers. Just let Clay Thompson shoot threes, and then the rest figure it out. What is the expression? Swing away. Yeah. Like just go up there and just and know that that's what he's doing, yeah. and it gives you it makes. The opposing team have to think about what they're doing around it. And if you do make a mistake to them, at just a swing of the bat, it's gone. Um, kind of like what Jose Batista did for the Rays, for, or not the Rays, the Blue Jays for so long. Yep. Is just He wasn't trying to hit opposite field singles. He's just trying to crush it over left field 375. Yep. So um, you just let those two go. And yeah, exactly. You called in Ju- or end of June, mid-July of saying, okay, they're either... 250 north of 250 and you're feeling this is great now we just piece stuff around them and know that these guys when the time calls for are dynamic players at certain things that just don't show up in guys like Audrey's uh Adrianza <laughs> in guys like CJ Crone well we'll see about CJ Crone uh guys like uh Mitch Garver where just those things just don't show up in those guys yeah. and yeah. now we start to find pieces that go with them if uh they're still batting like 214 and 222 come July it's abort, 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 and you probably, they're 25 years old, could find a team that's willing to give you something in return. Yes, And yes. then you just, or, like, here's where we're at. I just, I, that, exactly. that decision, we're making, di- we're going to make different decisions than we have in the past. And I think yes. that this organization already has yes. made different decisions than they made in the past. So it's kind of a weird territory for Twins fans to be in, to be like, what am I supposed to expect for this season? Correct. I'm not really sure how this organization works. Yeah. With their new identity, and we've we've had one year, but it was a year of hey, we still have Paul Molitor. Yep. On the actual field, now you have Rocco Baldelli. Yep. You have this new. The front office has a couple. There's season continuity under from their top belt. down. Yeah. So we're gonna see what what that entails. Uh, we're not. I'm not sitting here drumming my fingers in anticipation for opening day in terms of our chances of being there in yeah. October, at the end of the season. But I am cautiously optimistic and I feel like the direction we're going yeah it's like we we've we've modernized we've taken the temp of like where's Major League Baseball going yes. we'll go there yes. we'll do that and this is a group of persons that will do that for better or for worse yeah correct yeah and I, and I feel like that there's that's a very understandable and reasonable place to be looking at the history of the Minnesota Twins and Minnesota sports in general yep and knowing that if you're going to hide behind uh a small market club feel, which it always has that feeling of, you know, we're we're the little engine that could, we're yep. the Davids, we're what you know, the, whatever underdog story you want to choose. That we, you know, think of '91, worst to first, like things like that, where that's always going to be part of your identity, and you're never going to be willing to. And this is what I actually love about the Wilfs, 
say what you want about them. They're always willing to go for it. But that's kind of their identity. And the Twins have kind of said, we're going to build this brand around, we feel like, as a, the state Minnesota... This is Twins territory. We're a flyover territory. Like, yep. that's kind of, no one really thinks about us, and that's fine. We're going to lay back in the weeds. We're going to do these things. We're going to develop, which is going to be painful for some years, where you're going to have rough stretches. But when and if and when it does happen, like last Saturday in Camp Randall Stadium, uh, <sighs> it, it feels... I literally was with my buddies last night, and we were talking about it. Uh, one, he was there. He's like, his wife said, "I think you were you looked happier than our wedding day, or you looked as happy as you were on our wedding day." Yeah. And he's like, in the back of my mind, I was like, actually, I am happier than I was on our wedding day. You get those moments. I don't yeah. think you get those same feeling moments when you're a Yankees yes. organization or Red Sox. Now, Red Sox know four different, but mm-hmm. like Red Sox now, the Dodgers, even yeah. like teams like Houston, who kind of do it in this weird new way but the twins from was it 62 they moved here on mm-hmm. where that's 61, 61, 61 that's just the feel of we're we're going to be, accept that we are not part of the big uh, it, and that teams. that right there hits on like why you're why you stick around for this for yes. 14 years of losing to the Badgers oh. to have that one glorious Saturday God. where you watch and everything breaks your way and you get to lord that over whomever you want. Oh man, it, it's and I, and to be fair, I have not been married, haven't even been close to being married. But I feel like the feeling feels very similar to when I was sitting in my living room watching that game by myself yep. on the edge of my chair and being like, "This is the gr- I, I'm not going to cry, but this is the closest level to crying that I possibly could be." And I have a couple of friends that are on the team. And to like see their reactions like on the TV yeah. of 15 years of not even fucking close, Nothing. and it just feels hopeless. And you get it's right at the point where like going into that game, I was like, back of your mind, it's never gonna happen. It just isn't unless they unless like extenuating circumstances of the Marshall plane crash for Wisconsin football <laughs> type shit where it's like I don't even know if I want to be for anybody uh, you can keep the axe we'll take the win you can keep the axe this is weird like you know like that's how it felt like it's never gonna happen and then it does when you don't expect it that's twins our good there. our good friend will, will was there he was to see it in person Man. and living vicarious through that and that's that's with this twins team the equivalent of the axe is what what are we what are we sticking around for we're sticking around for that parade yeah. with Kirby Puckett in his fur mittens, fur gloves, and waving to the. It'll be tough for Kirby to do it down in 2019, but you know. And so, extrapolating <laughs> that out, I want to see 2019. Do we are we sticking around for the 2019 parade through downtown Minneapolis with yeah. Eddie Rosario waving to us, <laughs> like I, Max it, Kepler shooting <laughs> off a, a water gun full of like vodka or something, or yeah, it, that, that's that's. That's what we're sticking around for because yeah. we want to we want to just celebrate wholeheartedly yeah. the improbable. And when it feels like and it's we understand your, it's yes. improbable, yeah. and that that makes it all the sweeter. Exactly. When it feels like it's your guys too, yeah. and that's where it feels like for Minnesota, it's all even if they're not necessarily like came up with us or we didn't draft them or whatnot, they feel like our guys. Where the Red Sox feel like they're always it's always borrowed players. It, it would be great to maybe have some other voices in that conversation of like, what does your sporting team mean to you? Yes. Because for us, I think it it is. It has always been this hyper-personal connection to it. And I think maybe folks in Wisconsin would say the same thing. I know quite a few Badger fans who, outside of going to the university, but there's just yes something about being in this flyover territory leads to close connection with an identification with your club. So the Twins, I have huge, huge, close personal identification with. 
Yes. And I hope for the best, but I also have been shaped by the realities of what it is here in flyover territory. It is. But it, we're, we're waiting for that sweet, sweet moment. Oh, and, and when it comes, we've always yeah. said we'll be riding in the streets oh, in, in a very uh, polite way, but... We'll and by cars po- over. Yeah, by polite, just burning cop cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just destroying be, buildings, that, looting. That is, that is stealing TVs. Yes. Right here, and we had said that about when the Gophers win the Big Ten title. I, yeah, we, we aim small. Yeah, like it, our, yeah. Our, conference our title lofty. Yeah. We, we stormed the court when we beat number one Indiana. What? How many years ago? Oh man, we for like I stormed the field list. as an undergrad when we beat six and four Iowa. <laughs> Like but everybody who hates Iowa, yeah, we, we yeah, do. yeah, exactly. And uh, so this is, and hopefully, this is just a chance for us to kind of go on and on about how we feel about sports in general. But it is shaped uniquely by our experience here in Minnesota Correct. and our connection to our clubs. The Twins being one that I personally feel very connected to. Hope the best for. Realize the situation. Correct. Exactly. Um, and while that seems like a perfect place to end the first episode. Um, We'll probably finish off here with, as it is the start of true free agency, I like to call it, and by that I mean we're never going to sign the Bryce Harpers. We're nope. never going to sign the Manny Machados. As cool as that would be to just dish out a cool $70 million a year for the next two years and just go after like a Harper-Machado combination, 3-4, it'd be excellent. But the reality is we're not going to do that. We're not going to commit over 50% of our, our payroll to any two guys. Um, so I got a list of names here. Some we've mentioned before. Um, I just want to give, I just want you to give me a nice, maybe one through five rating. One, mm-hmm. we're, we're, I, let's just go, let's just go Dave's personal take. Yeah. It's one, I want no part of him on our team ever. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then five being like, this is driving me to be purchasing not only a 20 game package, but an 81 full season ticket package where okay. maybe even a parking pass. Who knows? Okay. All right, so uh, guys that became available yesterday. I only got a list of five. It's pretty small. Um, the non-tender, so they are mm-hmm. still arbitration eligible. So you might have to work some stuff just out there. More small for Robbie Grossman right now, too. <clears throat> yeah. Just like a little plug. We got I CJ. You're probably a nice guy. You probably do well for the community. I would be fine if CJ Cronin is not on this roster come January. He's signed. He signed. He signed but today. It, it, this is also the argument. Tyler Austin's there. Yeah. Like, there's some redundancy. I know. Sorry, to, no, that's fair. No, that's a fair ahead. point. It's just like, this is also an organization that could be like, CJ, we got you because we think we can get something for you. Oh. You. Oh. I didn't think of it that perspective. That's a, that's a good take. Nice little trade piece because um, we have very little. I like it. I like it. Um, first guy off the list, uh, the... Only the second best player to be named this in Major League history, which is weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you feel about Billy Hamilton, outfielder from the Reds? Speed, speed, speed. I'd put it at a solid three if you're going to say okay. that right away. Like, okay. Billy Hamilton has been one of those players from our point of view. You like look around the rest of the league, like, tell me more about that guy. Yes. Tell me more about Billy Hamilton. What's he doing? <laughs> I mean, that Red team is bad. But he, I'd be excited yeah. to have him on the Twins uniform. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's a – I'm not, like, going crazy, but – he gives you some insurance for speedy fielders in the outfield. So when Buxton pops his hamstring for the seventh time. Crashes um, into that wall. Yeah. Doesn't get up right away. We got like, shoot. a faster guy out there who is going to bat comparable at like 204. Yep. Um, cool. Three. That's fair. Yep. Uh, second baseman, Jonathan Shoup. See, second base, so that's that's the position, position of need. we need. Yes. So the same thing. You're kind of like, I'm at a two, three. Doesn't move the needle too much to yes. use the expression from Zach Lowe, yes. I believe. Or is it? 
Makes exactly. sense. We'll use that one. I think so. Move yeah. the needle. Yeah. Maybe it's an Aaron Gleeman thing too. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's solidly like that. that's a position we need. That's a guy I recognize. Sure. Two, maybe three. Not as excited about. But Yeah. No. And I th- the issue too with him is he's not signing a one-year $5 million deal uh, to, to come here. It's going to be something stupid like a nice four-year, like 60. And you're going to have to say, like, ah, like, do you really want to get into that? On a, at a, such a pivotal point, but I'm just pulling yeah. up show. He, guy's got 21 home runs. He hits 233. Yeah. Yes, but he's and that, that's on a Brewers team that is the Brewers team. Yes, but it, he he had a weird year going from Baltimore to Milwaukee playoff team fitting in. Yep, um, different things like that. Uh, only other guy I could really find other than bring Robbie back. Um, which I just, they, they kept ragging on his defense and everything I was reading about him, and I'm like, you know what? No one asked him to play defense. Right? Just, we, yeah, on base. We don't sign. Defense. We don't sign Michael Beasley because we think he can shut down LeBron James. We oh, signed Beasley, Beasley for very specific things. Yep. And and so I I, I yeah the Robbie Grossman thing that's going to tear at me for a while. But uh, last guy, injury prone guy, but as someone we need starting pitching and limited. So you kind of got to look at it two of the stance of yes, guys like a. Avaldi or Keuchel would be great, but you're going to be paying him $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. guy like Shelby Miller can't really stay healthy. Twins typically don't care about that. Um, but when he was traded for Dansby Swanson, which seems crazy, uh, two years ago, this guy was supposed to be a top-of-the-rotation guy. Um, it'd be a cheap deal. So that's kind of another thing, too. You're probably looking at like a one-year five-ish. How do you feel about uh, Shelby Miller? Shelby Miller looking through that thing, and it's like all of Arizona's staff is pretty much up for grabs, right? And this is that this is that like so Corbin goes somewhere else. That's fine. Yeah. If we end up with Shelby Miller, it's a solid three. Three. Feel like that's like shades of Odorizzi. Yeah. Right? We 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 have we have Shelby Miller's on this current team. Yes. Yes. Isn't like having another Shelby Miller is not a bad thing. Yeah. But you have another Shelby Miller. It does not get you to that like next step of okay, watch out Cleveland. (laughs) We are now the team to beat. Yeah, so I, there's, yeah there's 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 not a lot out there, and I just want to say thank you because. Or can you please offer up Dozier so I can just just say Brian Dozier. He he yes he is he is the he was going to be zero. last zero zero <laughs> zero negative two. I hate Brian Dozier. This is I, and it's 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 just that's that's I just want that for posterity's sake. It's on the record. I hate Brian Dozier. <laughs> Dave I, is I, out I can't on Brian Dozier. Stand Brian Dozier. I think we should have traded him three years ago. Yeah, thank you. So End of story. I got, I got a little, and this I think this is a good place to end here with Dozier, and we'll get into we got plenty of time for free agents, yeah. all the top guys are either going to sign elsewhere or not be signed by the time we are able mm-hmm. to, to meet back up. But So it begins. Dozier, to kind of to finalize things here, I have a sneaky conspiracy theory, maybe a little Bill Simmons-esque here, is they had a lot of issues working contract extension with Dozier, mostly because like when Dozier would go to talk to Terry Ryan, he'd be batting like 265 and hitting like on pace for 40 home runs. Mm-hmm. And then when Terry Ryan would come back with a number, Dozier would be in like the worst slump of his career. And so this weird thing of he pretty much batted 238, averaged about 32 homers a season from a player in a position at second base you don't need 32 home runs from. You'll take um, 20. You, you will you will take 12. Yep. I I will take 12 and a batting average north of 270 <laughs> over 240 and 40. Like that that's I just don't need it. Um but it was kind of back and forth I think there is a wink-wink here. I think there is a, we're not going to trade you until the, the trade deadline of your final year. Because we we plan to re-sign you already. Yep. But okay. we also are going to let you test the market at 32. And, let you, and if you can find something better than we'll offer, go for it. But 
we want you back because you're a clubhouse guy. The twin Minnesota area loves you. Um, we understand you except have some. Except for this side of the table. Yes, except for uh, one particular important uh, take <laughs> on, on, on part of the, the Flyover Territory podcast. But um, we also know that we, if we just let you like go at the end of the season, especially if we're out of the playoffs, we're not getting anything back. So we want to make it a part or a point to at least try to get some players back. And I think there was kind of a handshake agreement of, cool, you're going to trade me that last year deal. We're not going to re-sign you now because if we re-sign you now, we get nothing for you. And we can maybe get something back. And then nobody fucking wanted him. And the Twins are like, what the fuck? And they didn't know what to do. And so they did trade him. We got like a D-list prospect back. Mm -hmm. But I think in Twins' mind, at least we got something. Yep. Yep. And now I'm worried that we're going to give him like a four-year, $120 million deal. That's, I'm so scared. I'm so with that, scared. As, the only positive to a Brian Dozier return tour is if Eduardo Escobar also comes back on that return tour. Unfortunately, unfortunately just, he just looking, resigned. He just resigned. Okay. With Arizona. And, and, then, then, and he kind of set the market, no, though. Yeah. There's no place for Brian Dozier if he's not connected to Eduardo Escobar. There's rumors. Ooh. Dozier, one year, $8 million is what is going to be the free agent offer. And I think the Twins Somebody are going to step else, up please. to the pocket, Somebody step else. up to the plate, and you know what they're going to do? I think they're going to compromise and go three years, sixty million. Well, let's I, see it here. I would hypothesize. Let's 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 give it a couple of weeks here, see what happens, yes. transpires, and let's go by. Let's do. Let's take a look at this infield, outfield, discuss that in length ad nauseum. Yes, and let you get to work. I think so. Awesome. Well, any final thoughts? Don't sign Brian Dozier. <laughs> That's please. fair. That's a fair final please. thought. Awesome. Well, that's it for the pilot episode. Hopefully, we're back for the second episode. We'll have to talk to the uh, the network and see if they, mm-hmm. they want to pick this up. Yep. But uh, we're shopping to anybody. So if anyone wants to pick it up, <laughs> The Ringer, ESPN, uh, Comedy Central. I don't really care what podcast we, we network. Need an alternative to Aaron Gleeman, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. And uh, hopefully, we'll be back next week with some, hopefully, not Brian Doge on the team and maybe someone like uh, Madison Bumcarter. So here we go. There we go. All right. Till next time. Bye.